I'm here with Chloe, and we were just talking about, I mean, the world, and fuck, it's hot. I'm taking this off. I'm sitting, like, in, like, partial sunlight. Um, yeah, we were talking about there's there's all this stuff on her walls in the studio, and I was about to say that in my... In, so in my New York apartment, I have this like weirdly designed place and the wall really cool. So you don't want to put stuff on the walls. But right. in my apartment, what, before that, like three years ago or something, I used to cover the walls. And I'm looking at your studio and I think that I wanted to ask you because uh, like I used to cover the walls in just like all of my favorite things, imagery, people, stories, memorabilia. Like, so I would take like the napkin from a night that I really like that was important to me and like frame it and put it on the wall. And I would just have pictures of different people that, that inspired me or whatever. And that was like my creative space. And I'm looking at your place and I'm like, Oh, like, is that how you think about it? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't, I'm I'm a little bit more haphazard about it. I don't have things in frames. There's a lot of um Oh yeah, no, a lot of it would just be like a nail in the wall. Like <laughs> I'm actually staring at a lot of things where it's just gaffer tape at the moment where um whatever was up there before has fallen down and um um yeah, it's definitely a mishmash of it's a writing room, it's not really a like I mean I do have studio equipment in here, but it's not kind of acoustically set up as a studio and so I use it as much as a writing room and yeah, definitely support all sorts of things up the wall. Yeah, I definitely, I'm, I'm down with the not proper studio vibes also. I just like sent Joe a, a vocal that I did like right where I'm sitting on this USB microphone with tons of like random shit in the background and like waves crashing and stuff. Just a horrible, horribly recorded vocal, but you know. Which has yeah. its charm, you know? Yeah, I think. that's kind of what I think about, you know? Yeah, no, I'm definitely super DIY in my approach. And that's not to say, I mean, I do, you know, I'll, I'll go mix things in proper studios with engineers that know more about that than I do, but it's nothing that I've ever been fascinated by. I'm more interested in the... But you self-produce a lot. I mean, most of your music, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, self-produce. I mean, I, I I get up to a point, but then I mix it with people too. Right. I, <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that's more than I can do. You know, I I can I make demos of my shit, and like yeah. I can't even like I make roughs, and then I hand it to like a professional who knows what they're doing, but. I wouldn't trust myself to self-produce. I don't know. I just chop up beats. No, I mean, I guess that's what I, you know, I make, I guess I get kind of what you consider a, a demo, you know? But like everything I, well, you make I, I, sounds I super polished. Well, that's a lot of that is done in the mix, right? Yeah. And okay. I do like, um, yeah. Like with this last album, um, it was mixed by uh, by Ghost Culture. Mm -hmm. So you can definitely, or well, he he definitely contributed. I um, think that the the reason why, so I'm really excited to connect. We we connected through Third Son, who just put out an album that you're featured on, and 
you know, I've been listening to your music for a while. I, I think there's records back, you know, five, six years that I've probably been listening. And I just, the, the, you have this huge swath of collaborators and solo work, but there's a cohesion to it that I've always respected so much. And that's why like the first thing that I said to you was like, there's been very few DJ sets that I've had over the last however many years that you're not included in some regard, because there's just, there's a sound that everything that you put out, like there, there's a, there's a kind of percussion that I can expect. There's a progression to the arrangement where I know it's going to go to a place emotionally at some point in the track that's going to lift and then quiet. And like, you just have, there, there's a, there's just a very unique vibe. I, I think like you get this, there's this, this vibe that you're like the best in the world at. Wow. Thank you. No, really. <laughs> Is that, yeah, I'm a, okay. Wow. Thanks. Like That's when you produce with Red Axes, when you like you work with different collaborators, but the versions that you touch, like Roman Flugel, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. But like when you know, when you work with certain people who I'm like a big fan of, like your your version of that is always the thing is always like, no, that's exactly how I want it to sound. Like I'm always using your your music as a reference point because it's yeah it's it's i don't know how to describe it but you just like get this space that like red axis i love red axis but like sometimes they'll get a little too hard and fast for me for my taste but like never when you're involved and same with the same with with roman flugel i get how do i pronounce it roman flugel i mean that's okay, the, the one the remix that Roman did so I wasn't involved in any way but his remix of your work is exactly it's like the best my favorite thing he's ever done it's an amazing remix gosh when that first came through I was just like oh like yeah I've been I've been so lucky with the people um who remix have remixed my work and I've actually got remixes of my last album coming out on Wednesday. Oh, cool. Um, That's exciting. Yeah. And like, there's this, do you know Radioactive Man, Keith Tenniswood? He used to work with Andrew Weatherall and did Two Lone Swordsman. Amazing. So um, cool. Yeah, and he's he's done this this remix of, of that. I mean, those are all, it's amazing remix package. Um, but sometimes all you just of your hear... remix packages are like a who's who of my favorite <laughs> DJs every time. Well, I'll send this one to you because I've, I've got Richard Stein on it, um, uh, Trenton Chase, Suzanne Craft. Um, the new Suzanne Craft remix is incredible. Yes, yeah, so beautiful. And then Glock, who's um, Andy Bell from the it's his um, from the band Ride. Got an electronic cool. project called Glock, who I've been celebrating with. But anyway, yeah. Um, but sometimes so when, how do you, when, yeah, how do you come to those? How do you curate those? Um, it's through, uh, through people I know, basically. It's just, it's, it's like just talking to people, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, there's not much money left in what we do, is there? Right. Even less so now. Um, so I do call in favors from pals and 
or do, do you do swaps and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. or i'll do like vocals for them or right you know um yeah i mean i you know my 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 flatmate is um is Elon Smag. okay cool um, so i've got <laughs> yeah like we there's uh, between us yeah there's, there's <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah what was it what i was saying was it, it's the most incredible moving feeling when you know somebody that you know and respect take something that you've done and and turns it into like transforms it into into this incredible new being you know i think that i wonder if what you're talking about might be my my voice i could do kind of a distinctive voice and maybe i mean i absolutely love your voice I, I love the way that you're your cadence falls into dance music so there's a certain way i was listening and i i thought of this film i don't know if you've seen it but um dogs don't wear pants have, have you heard of it no it's like an snm kind of it's not really a horror film it was marketed as a horror film but it's not really yeah. it's it's more like emotional it's more just like about like why this guy you know, he's sad, he misses his wife, and he ends up finding someone in in like a dominatrix. And it's soundtracked with like, really cool techno music, but it has the same kind of like, there's sort of this, there's this line that you understand between like, house music, where house music is I love house music, but there's an edge to it that it lacks. And then techno where it's like, yes, that's cool if I'm listening to it at, you know, at 7 a.m. in a warehouse, but generally I'm not necessarily like putting that on my headphones. And you you know the line where it's like cooler, it's it's like rougher than house music, but it's not, it's it's like, it's listenable and it's enjoyable and I could put it on at a party I could put it in any DJ set. I could put it in the hard in the in the one thirty three BPM techno set, and I could put it in the like, you know, Wednesday night house music set, and and it, that's what this movie is soundtracked with. It's like slightly harder than house music, but it's not like aggressive. I've jotted it down, and we'll, we'll check. I've been watching a lot of films recently. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> have you been in your spot the entire time? Yeah. 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 I actually have no complaints. I'm, I'm quite into them. I'm not the most social creature at the best of times. So this has just been like, yeah, don't have to make excuses. <laughs> just, I, was, I, was, I, got I read that, that you kind of, you bounce tracks back and forth. And that's how like a lot of, you know, you either make it yourself or the way you collaborate is bouncing tracks back and forth. Uh, I wanted to, you know, that's what I do. And, you know, getting in the room is usually, I don't know, it feels weird usually <laughs> like if, if there's not a specific thing to do did you yeah. always did you come to it that way or did you start by collaborating or um well my old I, I kind of started my musical journey through this band Batant in the noughties which was right. like a kind of post-punk um thing I mean it's you know heavily influenced by things like young marble giants and all of that um sure. And that I was, um, I started out like with a really basic knowledge. We were using reason at the time, but qu quite quickly, 
um, the guy that I was doing it with, he was a better producer than I was. And so I kind of, you know, I'd, I'd bring little things to the table, but I would concentrate much more on being a lyricist and, and, yeah. a, and a front person and, um, and did that for years. And then it was at the end of Batan, um, we did, we did two albums and the second album, um, yeah, but at the end of Batan, then then that's kind of when when Car happened, and it had been such a, a really good kind of positive writing um, experience, co-writing experience for somebody that ended in tragedy. So I I sort of had to by default go into producing on my own, but I didn't know what I was doing at all, and I think a lot of that still lingers with me. It's like on the one hand, I'm quite precious about the DIY thing and I think that there's like there's something to be said about the fragility of like not technically <laughs> being that apt you know because when you um, yeah I'm, I'm, I've always been a bit reluctant to kind of delve I don't know I just don't want to lose there's a certain kind of like naivety that I'm, I'm, I'm scared I totally to understand what you're talking about I think it's the same with, with in drugs terms. and therapy, you know, like we, we go yeah. places, there's chemical reactions and like, oh, I like that chemical reaction. And it's the same with, you know, you inject all of a sudden you are a, a pro at, at what at Ableton or something like that, or these synths or something like that. And the alchemy that occurs regularly when you're, when you proceed that, that, that transcendence of understanding you have to, your muscles have to work in a certain way to figure it out. And if you all of a sudden you have it figured out and you go on autopilot, you might not have the same creative alchemy. And yeah. 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 Well, it's a different sort of, you know, it's a different, it's a different practice. You know, I'm not a right. trained musician at all. And, um, but then when going back to like, why I like to work remotely is because I do find that when I'm in the studio with somebody, I'll get totally stage fright and I'll just be like, I don't actually know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> They're going to see I'm a fraud. <laughs> They're going to suss that. I, I can, you know, I can work out melodies on the keyboard and like tell you what notes I'm playing. Don't know what key it's in, you know, like that right. sort of thing. Like um, I'll experiment with different chords do I really know if it's a chord or not? You know, and like, like <laughs> I didn't know yeah. what chord meant until about a year ago. Okay, right. So we're I, on the same I remember <laughs> I took I took a vocal lesson because I was working with I recorded like my what what is like my first album. Uh, now it's a year ago, and everything has gotten fucked up with the world and stuff, so it's not out yet. But like when I recorded that, I was talking to management. I uh, like had management that I'm no longer going to work with because of stuff we're talking about right now but they were like they wanted me to take vocal lessons and stuff so I did and like that was when I learned what a chord was I just thought I didn't really like I just never I took it for granted I never really knew what chords meant I didn't realize like that it was this range or I just didn't know and then he had me do chords and I was like I had this moment in the session I was like like that's what that means like i've been using it i've been using all these words interchangeably basically my whole life and i never i mean not that it's even important like it, it, that i like now that i know it i've not used it once you know like i just it doesn't matter yeah. i still do i stopped taking the lessons like after like three because i was like you know what fuck this like i think i'm just what i am and i don't actually want to be different 
and yeah yeah i don't know what chords were (laughs) (laughs) i've like produced records for people and like i don't know what i couldn't uh, until a year ago could not define what chord meant i probably can't even say it right today (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean uh, yeah i'm you know i'm I'm a similar sort of you know um like and and i think you know with with the vocals as well like the amount of times over my career that people have suggested i take singing lessons and you know that like yeah like the old label that i was working with they would be they were always being really persuasive about the fact that you know i should take some singing lessons and i'm so glad i love your voice so much well it's just you know it's like i'm not the best singer but it's an instrument in itself and i've got no it's exactly you know then sound run of the mill and it was actually it was a friend of mine this um, this mexican girl andrea valenci who who was playing with me for a while um and at that time it was when the label were being really kind of like heavy-handed on the you need to go take some singing lessons and she was just like don't do it don't do it don't listen to them all electronic music all dance music the vocalists all sound the same they have such you know it's it's such garbage and djs you know they they live in this bubble so, you know, DJ producers who make up the majority of electronic and dance music production, and they live in this bubble where they DJ every night and they make songs for the clubs. And they just get these people that sort of get into the, the, the mix, the community, and they end up doing the vocals for everyone. Like, whatever, I don't really mind saying this, but like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I'm never going to talk to this person. Like, and he doesn't care. Like, like Rye X does vocals for everyone. And like, it's such trash. And like, there's all these people that imitate him. And the vocals are such fucking garbage with no character. And they've been repeated. Like, yo, I was in Tulum 10 years ago and I heard that and like it was cool with like cocaine and ketamine or whatever like those kinds of like that era like but like today it's 10 years later like it had its moment stop making the exact same thing and and then the uh you know whatever i don't need to keep talking trash but like there's the female vocal that is like the you know beachy house thing and like it's exactly the same and it's so fucking boring and I want electronic music and dance music not to live in this ghetto of, of club music. Like I love club music. I love the club. That doesn't, that's not my whole fucking life. And that's what I really love that you do is like your music. It should be like, you know, it's just like indie dance, indie rock. It's, it's, it's like rock music. You know, there's a kick drum. That's not, it's not four to the floor. It's not just like, you know, a metronome. Yeah. It's, it's rock music. But yeah, it can be in a club. Well, yeah, I mean, well, that's where like the remixes and stuff come in. It's funny because it's like my entire background. I started going to clubs when I was like really young, like 12, 13. I grew <laughs> up in Canada and like, I've, you know, I was going to nightclubs from a very young age and spent my years when in secondary school when other people were like going to um, house parties. I was going yeah. to raves and clubs. Like it's yeah. just part of my upbringing. And I think you you know um and and same i moved to london and it was like i was instantly like catapulted into the the kind of electro scene that was going on here and that's that's what i know but i can't make a fucking dance track like i'm when i go to make music oh so all of your dance tracks are the remixes i never thought about that yeah so they're the yeah so there's a remixes of like my I, i mean i make songs and then 
I can work with other people on dance tracks, but it's not like, it's, it's a format that, I don't know, I just, but I think that because of culturally where I'm coming from, there are certain elements and that might be why it, why people that remix me or why when I do work with dance artists, why there's an understanding or a level of kind of intuitivity that like intuitiveness that comes into to it because it is a music that I'm, I know really well, but, um, but yeah, like even when I do my own remixes of, of tracks, like this is something that I've only just kind of started doing like remixes for mm. other people started like in the past few years. And are but you I'm attempting kind of to make them club music or you're just making them whatever? No, I've just given up. I'm not even gonna bother trying. I mean, there's people right. making brilliant club music and it's like, okay, that's a that's a very saturated I'm I can't compete. I'm not even gonna bother. I'm just gonna do my own thing and you know like I, I, all of the music I make is super intuitive. Like I don't mm -hmm. it's a it's a collection of happy accidents strung together and kind of um but yeah, there's a practicality uh, to that, that, that I sense in your music. But there's also like a problem, you know, it's like, I've, I've, because I've constantly been straddling these two worlds throughout my entire career, like back, even with Batant, we mm -hmm. had this problem because our formation, it was uh, me on vocals. Then we had a computer laptop up on stage and, um, and guitar and bass. And in that now, like no one would bat an eyelid when we when we started Batan in like 2004 or something it was like we people just didn't know what to make of it it was like where's the drum kit and oh that was like early days of having a laptop like on stage days. and yeah, yeah and it was like because we weren't we weren't making dance music and we were in uh -huh. this net um in this like in these electro clubs in london and we were signed to um our first EP came out. Yeah, it was more like it. industrial, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. it was like, but then even like when, then we, we started working with Kill the DJ in France and there too, you know, it's like these, these labels who are very much associated. Now I'm on Ransom Note, you know, it's, it's a label that's associated with dance music and mm -hmm. all of like my friends are all, you know, like I, I do know a lot of, I've got a lot of connections in that world, but it's like when you're, when you're straddling these two worlds, it does make it, difficult for people to kind of place you as an artist and it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling with like to I get booked I get booked to like clubs all the time you know so I've had to kind of adapt my my live set and now it's only this past year ironically just before like I yeah yeah incredible party in, in Berlin and it was like one of the first times that I was like oh, yeah I finally managed sorry I'm not finally managed uh -huh. to like get set that you know works in a club i've got enough material that's like bumpy, you know and just gonna and then it's like okay now, now sitting around know. for the whole year yeah <laughs> <laughs> for like the next year <laughs> right <laughs> it's crazy if we're lucky who knows but yeah there is a weird dynamic and i guess this is you know you i see i see you and your artist pathway as as like a microcosm of the entire sort of I don't know, prism of, of, of dance music and electronic music where like your records, I, I heard your records through DJs. That's how I know you, you know, that's how I found you. But then yeah. I listened to 
the not remix, you know, not to, to the originals. And I realized, oh, this is, this is rock music. This is, you know, this is indie. This is whatever, you know, kind of uh, genre you want to put it on. But these aren't DJ records. The remixes are, are DJ records. And it didn't occur to me that you've never made, that I've never DJed. I, I don't know if I've thought about it that way, that I've never DJed one of your originals and I've only DJed the remixes. I want to like go look at my playlists and see, but like that would be really funny if that's the way. But what I think about with you is like, there's all these, uh, these parts of the industry that like dance music, club music is so segmented, so separated from like the mainstream music industry and your music in a strange way even though like you're promoted as a dance artist in so many ways through those communities like that's not what you're making and there's all these other outlets that like i don't see you in all these mainstream outlets that like you're you're not in and 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 i think you know you should be cuz i like your records more like that's why that's why it just like occurred to me right before we got uh, we got on this, I was like, you know what, I want to like rinse through the new album front to back. Because I realized the way that you roll it out is with all these singles. And I, I had like, I had been halfway through the album and its remixes by the time it came out. Mm-hmm. So I think I, it occurred to me this morning, like, I think I've only listened to the album front to back once, like the day it came out. And mm-hmm. you know, in listening to it again, just now, this is an album. This is like, there's a narrative to it. There's an emotional arc to it. There's, you know, it starts with the, the space atmosphere and then you go into, a, you go into like, like a songwriting and then you go into high energy and then you come down and then it gets meditative and, you know, it has an arc and that, you know, most dance music is not really doing that. Dance music creates like the DJs, they make these like soundscape albums where it's basically they just like have a few club tracks and then they create ambient tracks around them and they call it an album. And, you know, that's not what this is at all. There's there's a real listen here. It's 41 full minutes and there's all the elements. And I and that, that should be like, I don't know, I read, I, I read like, Paste put out their like top 20 albums of the year so far. Like your music, there's a difference between the marketing of it as a dance record and as a like, this is a solo artist, you know? And yeah, I, I always, mean, like, I always see it in the dance side. Well, I think that that's, you know, because of the labels that I work with. Right. Because I mean, it's not, if you actually look at the way that the album was, um, was, uh, like, like promoted on all of the press release, it talks about it in in a sense that you know I am a solo artist and this is an album and it doesn't really touch on the whole but yeah I guess it's because of the type of label that I'm releasing on and also because of the you know the strength of the remixes and the fact that I'm straddling these two worlds um that it's just assumed that that that's where uh where where you need to place me um because I, I but it makes me really happy to hear that you've actually listened to the album as 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 an album, you know. Cause I've listened that- to your original, you know, your Batman albums. I've listened to all of your stuff for a while because, <laughs> well, it occurred to me a few years ago that like everything you put out was just like fitting this vibe for me. And then I went backwards, and then I was like, who is this person? And I, you know, I started to learn. And so I listened to, to, I've listened to, I mean, as far as I know, everything you've ever put out. 
and I have done the dive of like, let me hear the solo stuff isolated from the remixes and stuff like that. The, the, I, I didn't go as far as to realize, oh my God, maybe I've never DJed a non-remix, but uh, I, I, I am hyper aware. Yeah, I don't know. The first time I uh, ever heard that Idolize remix, I should tell you, was just like such a cool moment. I was, uh, it was at like, I think it was Time Warp or something, whatever that was in New York, Dixon was playing and I was standing, like at the time I was super cool. I like was doing my label stuff. I think I was at Apple at the moment. I don't know. It was, no, it wouldn't, it would have been the year before. Oh yeah. I knew Dixon because I booked him at Coachella. That was my, I booked, I played back to back to back with Dixon and Solomon. And, and cause I was in this like ridiculous position to make myself do that. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and then, so I was on, I was like in the booth with Dixon and he put that on and I was like, what the fuck is this? It was the opening. The, and I was just like, what the fuck? I was like, I was so excited. I danced so hard. And then your vocal came in and I was like, oh my God. Like, and I had heard some of it before that, but I, that was the moment where I was like, this is my favorite thing ever. Like it was literally like, like that version of dance music is like, if I, if, if someone asks me like, what's, what's the best dance music ever? Like I might send them, I would send them that or like Sylvester band of gold, like nine minute remix or something like, it's so good yeah no it really yeah no I, I that is I feel like Roman did do something incredible with that and yeah it's funny that the um the uh, the, the vocal the way Idolize started I don't know if you know years ago like um right when I started Car I, I did uh, the vocals on Gus Appelstein's first album um, cool okay. and um and the first track that, that makes so much sense. Through. I don't know if I knew that, but that makes so much sense. Well, you know, it's not it's not common knowledge. Okay. They managed to, you know. That's really <laughs> keep cool. My Manu and all of them are, are good friends. That's awesome. Yeah. Several yeah. So, um, anyway, so yeah, so I I put uh, I did the vocals on his first album, but the the first track that he sent me through when he was still writing the album and sort of approached me to do vocals, um, is when I actually I wrote Idolized the the cool. lyrics. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Wow. And then he he turned it down. He was like, oh, no. And like, you know, he, he wanted to go a different way. But I was like, these lyrics are, you know, I was like, I'm not going to throw away these lyrics because I was really into them. And so that's how yeah. I wrote off of the back of that. And I was like, okay, I need to transform the track and do something completely different with it. And so that's when I wrote Idolize, but um, like my version of it. Yeah. <laughs> the music for, for what ended up being, you know, um, but yeah, it's and then you know of course Roman did the remix and it took on a completely different realm. But it, yeah, it's funny that it had started as a vocals on the rejected Kazakhstan. <laughs> That's fun. Whatever. I mean, there's so many stories like that. You know, Rihanna has stories like that of you know rejected mm -hmm. smash hits and, and they work out for the best. Oh, I mean, you know. Totally. Yeah. I'm a firm believer everything happens for a reason. <laughs> I was going to you know, ask you that this, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of a moot point because you kind of got into it already, but like you make an original and then the remix like takes on a life of its own in that sense. 
the process, the difference between like a collaborative original and a remix, like, do you see any line there? And have you ever just been, has it ever just like been the same anyway? Like, do you just hand off in a remix? Is it just like you hand it off and a, an original, like you're more collaborative or what, what's the line there? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just hand it, hand it over. Basically, I'll just send gems and see what comes back. But I think, you know, that there is an aspect of, I mean, I, I don't think there's been very few times in my career where somebody who I don't kind of know personally has remixed one of my tracks. So it's kind of like there is a, okay. I wonder if there's not, you know, a, it tends to be people that are coming from a kind of similar, not necessarily, um, you know, this like, but a similar understanding or a similar kind of scene to what I'm into, you know, it's like, I don't, not just like random choices so there's going to be there's going to be connections even though they might be quite distant you know there's, there's there is going to be some sort of connection right off the top of it so right. that makes sense I don't know yeah um <laughs> but yeah it's with remixes yeah it's handed over and see what they come up with but it's, we're it's like, we're in the process do you think of like who that should be do you ever can you be writing something and be like oh this should go to this producer or is everything you write start with your did you make a completed version yourself i make a completed version myself yeah the remixes come after it's all been mixed and it's like ready for release you know that's kind of like like the labels that i work with it's an imperative that with a single you, you put some remixes out just because they are <laughs> they want to maximize <laughs> whatever small amount of revenue they can get off of it. You know, I, I know me on my own, I'm not going to sell loads of records, but you know, if you get Roman Flugel re remixing, you know, it's going to, and then there's also, it's funny, like people have kind of said, oh yeah, you know, it'll open you up to like a new audience. And I don't think that's true. I think that, you know, for the majority of people, um, yeah, they'll know the remixes, but they won't know. Me. I completely agree. I think it's a sham. I think that that the yeah. industry creates that narrative to be able okay. to make more of because the industry requires those remixes to mm -hmm. breathe to you know, the label needs them and Beatport and you know, the stores need them. But the artists like I don't think a lot of people heard your idolized remix the way that I did and flipped out and went like, I got to go figure out who that vocalist is. You know, I don't think people did that. Like I literally asked him and, and he like typed it into my phone. I like on a, on a, on a note, like <laughs> that I was like, Oh, I know who that is. Like, um, but I don't think most people, and then I went and I did a huge deep dive. I don't think that happens normally. I think it's more of like a one-off and you're creating, you know, DJ food basically. Yeah. But, which is fun. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not which is like, totally I'm, cool. Yes. I'm like in, in my, um, you know, the fact that I'm, I'm able to carve out any kind of career for myself, um, that still kind of astounds me. And But the fact that I've been able to do that, you know, I'm, I'm like cruising along in the undercurrents doing exactly what I want, you know, it's like I make, I'm not that fussed if people don't, you know, as long as there's a few people listening to my music and like... Well, you're so productive, you know, you're... you're you put out i mean I, i'm i'm lucky as a fan for the amount of music you put out 
And it's not just like, there's a lot of people that put out that, that are prolific like you that put out, you know, an album's worth, you know, you basically put out like an album and a half a year. And there's a lot of people that do that, but like, I get so fucking bored and it's like, yo, I liked you when you did that, that EP, but just like, you don't have enough ideas and stop because I'm following you on these, on these sites and I'm getting all of your songs and it's making me less interested in you because you're, you're just putting out BS. But every time, I mean, I stop what I'm doing every time, you know, a car release comes out. I thought there was one this morning, but it's actually the other car. It's that German uh, jazz thing. <laughs> it was really funny. I was like, wait, she just put something out. Holy shit. Like, <laughs> uh, we get like, I actually, it's because they, um, I was, I was there first. <laughs> I, was, I, I, was, I was quite before they, they kind of came. Yeah. And I, I called them like, when did it, was it? Um, a while ago. I guess when Pin came out. My my okay. second album. That's when that's when I kind of clocked. That's twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's when I clocked that there was this other car because on on Spotify it was like this other album appeared and I was like, hold on. Yeah. Um, but it was it was something completely different. But in the past like few years, what they've been doing is is kind of like our universes seem to be um, shrinking, and oh, you know man. like like suddenly they're they're on bills with. Um, you know that with artists that I could be playing with as well, and it's. <laughs> Manfredo. I'd be so pissed <laughs> if I if I bought it. <laughs> well, you know, like you know? Manfredo. Actually, Manfredo actually he got he got confused by this one release that that, that they oh, put man. out, and he emailed me. He's like, "Is this you?" And I was like, "No, no, no, it's the other one." And he was like, "You know, maybe you should reach out to them and just like ask if you know they can they can maybe think about like changing their name or like yeah. taking the dots out or doing." Something. But I don't know. I mean, it's like, like I said, like, I'm, well, yeah. like I got the Bandcamp notification this morning and like, I had no way of knowing I clicked on it and I opened it. And then I, I see these four German guys and I'm like, Oh, okay. And then I remember, <laughs> but the other there's no differentiation. You could do the artist ID on Spotify, but um, on Bandcamp, you know, it just, it just comes to your inbox and it just says the artist name yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I would use I would use the cultural climate to your advantage right now and just make them change it. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, but then I'm, now I'm kind of thinking. You know, I, I wonder whether um, I might I might move on from from car. Oh, really? Twenty is thinking. Yeah, I think like this this last album that I've put out, Crossing Prior Street. In a way, it's sort of I don't know. Like it's it's a tricky one. Like where do I? So this where what I'm writing at the moment feels feels like it belongs somewhere else. Like I can, you know, I can move on from the CAR, maybe. Like you kind of told that story. Well, yeah, I kind of feel like you know, this like the the album had a, a narrative, a very personal narrative to it, and a very. Um, I, I, for me, it's like, I'm incredibly proud of it. And it's something that, you know, a lot of the time, everyone has experiences when right, right before a record comes out, I'm like, oh God, like, I'm so over it. <laughs> and I'm like, almost, mm -hmm. and, you know, but with this one, I was still genuinely excited and like into what I've done. But there, but there's, it's got a, you know, it's got a beginning, middle and an end. And the end is a very sort of poignant end for me. And part of me, 
at the moment is thinking, okay, well, maybe this is time to draw a line, turn the page, whatever, and, and start with a new project or, you know, I don't think, I don't think I have to particularly worry about, I don't know, maybe I'm, it wouldn't be the first time that I've started a new name, started a new project. Do you find that you are drawn to a project out of narrative and ideas? Are there vocal, as, you know, technique aspects? Are there sonic aspects? Like, what brings you to, like, this is an album? Um, I'd never set out to, well, I've, to, like, write an album in that sense. It's more mm -hmm. sort of a collection of tracks that <laughs> I think it has to do with um, what kind of, you know, what I'm, what I'm using um, in the studio or sort of go through phases where I will came particular, you know, I think with uh, Crossing Fire Street, I was using a lot of the OP1. Um, I was, what else was I using? Oh yeah, we got the, um, uh, we got Poly 6, I was using that. And it's like, there, and then when you work on something for a set amount of time and it's like, you know, like you do, I, don't know. I, I find the narrative comes after it. The kind of like, oh, hold on, this is, comes when I'm doing the track list, and suddenly, or it seems like there's only one way that these songs can fit together, and then the songs come together, and it's like, oh, wow, this is what it's about. And whether or not it's something that I subconsciously know as I'm doing it, which I do sometimes wonder, <laughs> especially with like you know, crossing Fire Street was a relatively painless experience that just kind of came out. Was it one period of time or were you bringing songs from different periods? Um, for the most part, it was one period of time. So it kind of, I'd started writing it. Um, there was there was quite a big gap between my first album and the, I finished my second album um, in quite a while before it came out, like end of, was it 2015 2016 anyway but there was like a few years i think it was 15 18 20 i think okay right <laughs> if i have it right okay yeah um so i think that um yeah pinned i i was working with this guy steve osborne he mixed it out um in incredible like real world studios mm. um and after that was finished Kill the DJ, the label that I was with in France kind of imploded. And so I had to find a new label. And um, even though Ransom Note were really quick to kind of pick it up and be like, oh, we want to release this, then it was all about like how it would fit into their calendar. So I was sitting on this album for ages before it came out. So I think that Crossing Fire Street, I probably started writing the first tracks would have been done in 2016. And then. Okay. 2017. I finished writing it. Oh, no, hold on. This is really boring. This no, no, no. I do. mean, I'm, I'm interested in like how, you know. The, the process probably took about a year and a half for me to write all of the tracks right. on the album. And then, and then once that's done, then there's a, um, you know, then, then it's getting it mixed. And then there's the huge amount of time between when you actually finish an album in this, in the crossing fire street, it was a whole year again. 
I finished mixing it at January of last year when it came out in February this year. So, you know, it's just kind of the nature of when you're working with smaller labels and things get pushed back and, right. you know, so it's, so I already now I've got like, I think I mean I, at I least think. output wise maybe it's because of the remixes too yeah, maybe that's why I'm but I just feel like I'm consistently getting music from you and I'm really you know satisfied with that and it's not derivative it's not retreads it's not a lot of artists that are constantly putting out there's a lot of artists that I unfollow on Bandcamp or Spotify because they're just flooding my inbox with more of the same and i know what they're doing like i know how the industry works i know that someone in their team is like they're not like someone who's just like there are a few djs who are just like making club music constantly and they're just mm -hmm. churning it out you know like i was talking to you know whatever i don't want to but like like a dj who i love who's been putting out tracks every week for the whole year and he has like three different pseudonyms and stuff and he's literally he, he's just making but it's all like you know it's beats it's just it's just the sound and you know you're making you, you have songs like fully you know idea based songs with new, you know exploring new sounds for yourself and then the remixes which are all i mean every time you put out a remix there's something to it you know the suzanne craft remix was something that like hadn't been done in your catalog. I don't think there's anything that sounds like it. It's so beautiful. I it's mean, obviously, amazing. you know, you get a Suzanne Craft remix and that's that's what you get. But yeah. when I opened that, I was like, I was like, oh wow. Cause, cause a lot of it, like I think like the Johnny Rock remix and Manfredis remixes mm -hmm. are these like chuggers, you know, these like, I can play this for like 20 minutes, you know, and, and like keep going, looping it. And you have, you nail those so well. And like, I always expect you to like, give me those every few months. Mm -hmm. And then the Suzanne Craft remix is like, oh shit, this is a whole nother layer. Like yeah. exploring your vocal in a whole new way. Yeah. And you're yeah, always doing Diego. that though. Yeah. I mean, well, um, yeah. Diego no, but that's it. you too. That's <laughs> not just, that's that I, I see it as, yeah. you know, you're, you're cultivating that yeah. and it's very intentional. It's it's not. It doesn't come from nothing. Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm interested. Like, what did you feel was okay? When did it connect that Crossing Prior Street was a cohesive narrative, and and what brought that to you? That that feeling, that narrative. Um. It was. It was uh, when I was doing the track list. I mean, I think it was written in a transition period of my life where I was. Um, you know, things were changing in my personal life and I was being a lot more reflective and also like, um, uh, maybe gaining confidence, but looking back quite a lot, you know, it's also my age and getting, you know, um, and, uh, and so I think there was, there was probably these, these ideas were subconsciously coming in as I was writing the tracks, but it wasn't when, certainly when I like had the, body of work that I was putting together before it was mixed like but when I was like okay these are the tracks that are going to be on the album right and that's when I began to like it was like these tracks can only go together in this particular order and and then it was like oh right and everything like 
it was kind of the opposite of pinned where pinned I, I felt I didn't have um, I didn't really know what to make of it. I wasn't entirely sure what the story was behind the album. You know, the, my first my first record, my friend, the first car album that I did, that definitely had a a narrative to it, and that had to do with mm -hmm. you know this kind of like just there was like a cathartic process of me kind of trying to process grief and this like you know so that had a narrative. Then pinned is the sort of in between one where I was like, hey, I'm not too sure. This is just a collection of songs that are kind of catchy and like I completely you know, read that <laughs> as a as a listener. But I, mm -hmm. I wasn't, you know, Pinned was so, it was such a great collection of songs that I was totally satisfied with it. But I did read, like, these are, I, I read them as, as, as a collection of songs. And then I read yeah. Crossing Prior Street immediately as, well, even with the singles, because you would be putting out singles that were like, that had space in them. And that was different from the rollout of Pinned. So I knew before I heard the completed album that, this was going to be more, you know, narrative and, and atmosphere driven. Yeah. And then it was like, and then everything falls into place. Like, you know, it's like, I don't, suddenly the title, it was just apparent to what it was. And with the, with the artwork as well, like I knew exactly what I wanted. I've worked with the same designer throughout like the whole car. That's cool. Um, process. And yeah, he's this friend of mine down in Brighton, but it was like, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And what it was, was yeah, that to you? Um, it was, that was the whole idea of like, is is she flying? Is she falling? Um, and <laughs> there's actually based, there's this, it's quite dark. I can't remember her name. There's an American photographer in In order 70s. to enjoy the light, we must understand the dark. I was just saying that this morning. Oh, <laughs> or <great>. actually, <laughs> I did a little little solstice ceremony, made up solstice ceremony, and I always get sad oh, in this. Yeah. I'm like, the days are gonna get shorter. <laughs> but yeah, I had to talk. To oh people. yeah, it was it was yesterday, right? Yesterday was the longest. Was was that was our day? Yeah, yeah. It's over now. Yeah, it's all downhill it's from all here. <laughs> but anyway, I went so to bed yesterday really early. I got into bed at like 8 p.m. and oh, I really? sit. So my bed, um, I see the sunset from my bed. In, in where I am, it's it's insane. I'll, I'll when we when we finish this, I'll like show you the upstairs. It's insane. Uh, and I put on Twin Peaks, uh, the the you know season three. I hadn't watched it in in right. maybe a year or two, and I watched it many times. But I was like, so I I watched the first two episodes for sunset, and it was oh my god, it was so wow. beautiful. <laughs> and then I went to bed. I was like I was like eyes closed, asleep by like by like 10 p.m. But I sat there for two hours with this summer solstice set sunset, watching Twin Peaks in my bed. And ugh, it was so gorgeous. Oh my God. Okay, sorry, I interrupted you. Please continue. <laughs> no, 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 it's like, yeah. I was, I, yeah, mine was not quite as wholesome. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was a thing. Oh no, it was this, this uh, American woman who took, who's taking food. Photographs, or she took photographs of it's really dark of, of people jumping off of buildings, like um, plunging to their deaths. Oh my god! But they're they're quite they're quite um, you know that the whole uh, <laughs> ethics around it might be questionable. But but when you look when you look at these photos, um, one of the things that's striking in a lot of them is the, you know that the 
even though you know what's going on there is this kind of abstraction where it's like you know a lot of them have a, a deep sense of kind of peace um not all of them but like it's if you set i'd love to yeah, you know, yeah send those to me i would love to see it yeah not to be but morbid anyway, but i think it's a beautiful well, thought i, I love that well. aspect you know i was talking to a friend yesterday who uh her ex like od'd yesterday and you know my uh my you know what i what i was trying to give to her was like this is a huge loss like it's 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 awful but there's also you know i know this person she was my production designer on my most recent film so i like know her i know she's like weird and dark and like but not in like it's not in like a like she's not the addict like he she's the one who gets entranced with the addict you know and i was like yeah uh i said to her i was like i know that you're comfortable in these places and like i know you well enough like just go, just like go, it's it, make it a beautiful moment. Like you just lost someone you love and you're ripped apart. Like use that because like make his energy that he couldn't maintain, like, like make something beautiful of that energy. And he just went through something like really, really dark, but also like very visceral and, and, and telling and, and learn from it and feel all of it. So I'm, I'm always like, you know, mm-hmm the fucked up shit the dark shit like do it just fucking go right into it and through it and come out with this goal yeah. you know yeah no i mean i think like you know that the darkness it definitely informs my work more than <laughs> like for sure like yeah it's it's a very important part of what i do there's character really. to it but yeah yeah definitely and I think, like in you know, in 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 that same sense that you know, for a creative person, tragedy, or for anybody in a way, you know, it, it um, in grief, once you get through the initial like hor- <laughs> the horrible like you know that it, it, it's mm-hmm. almost a gift you know because it does I, it can it can um it can make you more compassionate it can give you a completely different insight and you know and then it's whoever you've lost or whatever you've lost you find a way to to keep that alive in whatever way whatever form you might choose but i think that yeah in, in I, I do try to see bad stuff I I agree. You know, we don't know each other that well, but like, you have no idea how much I agree with you. Like, I I'm so extreme with this stuff. I talk about it like for the last few years. I I had been saying, you know, I only want to fuck with people who are like willing to kill themselves, and by killing themselves, you know, it's about it's it's an identity aspect of letting their identity go and and recognizing that we don't exist. We don't have an identity. There that history is no. Is, is is no box it doesn't it's it, there's no form of it the only form is is action is what we do and you know i've extended that to like i only want to fuck with people who have killed themselves like i i can only relate to those who have lost major 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 parts of their life and regrown something else yeah. I, I just i can't i can't 
talk the same way mm-hmm. to those who I don't think have done that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, 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 it's, yeah, seismic shifts to how you then perceive. Well, I mean, everybody's different, really. You know, it's, of course, but, but um, that's what's yeah. beautiful about it is we're all different. So, like, I see how you process yeah. it, and that's what's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you think you're shifting right now from car to something else? I think I might be. I think I might be. I mean, it's just like I just, as as far as like, yeah, the the, the story goes, the CAR, I kind of feel like if I was to, it feels like a very good place to end it and try something new. I mean, don't don't hold me to that. (laughs) You do whatever you want to do, but I'm just interested in your headspace. You've copped out. Um, you know, it's like I might, I might find that actually I am doing stuff that it makes sense to release under CAR again. But, mm-hmm. um, but what I'm, what I've been working on recently, it feels like it belongs to something different. You know, and um, but then there's also the thing where, like, you know, when I do do guest vocals, it's like featuring CAR, and that's always going to be a, a thing. That could be something that you tap forever, but you're also putting out bodies of work that are telling their own stories independently. No, you know, know, I've never been, um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy that I'm not part of the proper industry where you have to abide. God knows I've tried to, tried to, put me in there but did you try did you ever want did you ever like want to be involved and oh before I understood what it was yeah for sure when I first started making music I wanted to be like you know I imagine myself being like uh you know a rock star Uh when I was like early 20s or late teens is that London time or is that Vancouver time or where that's London time I moved to London when I was 16 so I've been here quite a long time um yeah and started bar time when I was like 19 maybe okay and um yeah so back then uh but it just didn't you know it didn't work out that way for us what what happened what did you learn um i think well, it's, it's it's been a long learning process about you know it's probably only in the past few years that i've come to really appreciate my career path as um the fact that I've never broken out into the mainstream means that, you know, once you, once you achieve a certain level of success, I think there's only one way you can go. And I think that the, um, I think the music industry is a pretty horrendous industry and a pretty exploitative industry. And, um, you know, I've seen countless people make it and then just get dropped and, which, you know, you, you, I'm sure that I would be able to deal with that and it would have, you know, it would have taken me down a different path and I would have gained something from it. But I like the fact that I've always managed to kind of do what I want and never had the pressure of success weighing me down. I think in that, in, a, in that sense, it's, it's allowed me a certain level of freedom, um, you know, maybe not financial freedom, but, <laughs> but creative freedom. 
Um, there's there's a practicality to that, like specifically your record label. Like we talk about this sort of ephemerally and holistically that yeah. th- these these disconnects leading to artistic freedom and whatnot. But it's rare that we can define like, oh, pin- like pinpointing exactly how that manifests. And with you, like we can pinpoint a situation like literally your label wanted you to sound a different way. They wanted you to go take lessons from the same people that make these other vocal sounds and you didn't. Mm-hmm. And your vocal evolved <clears throat> and performed as it as as we hear it and there's nuance to it there's personality to it there's idiosyncrasies to it compared to you know the stuff that they wanted you to make which is the panorama bar you know soundtrack and whatever and 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 that, that's the best version of it um then there's everything below that but you didn't make that. That, that that's a tangible way so like artists listening creatives listening like there are tangible result tangible tangible twists in your story that come from that and it and it can be that direct yeah yeah i mean i think you know there's also a certain amount of like i don't take anything for granted i'm like extremely grateful and thankful um for for what i have and i do think that i'm 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 so privileged to be able to kind of live in this expensive city and somehow scrape by just enough to keep my rent, you know, I think it's having your fingers in many pies by doing all sorts of <laughs> featuring sure. DJ and like, you know, I also do a lot of writing and stuff. So um, you write for other, you do like featured writing for other artists. I, I was doing that for a while. Um, when I, I was actually, um, for a couple of years, I was signed to Universal for publishing. And, um, and I did some writing. It was Universal France. It was back when I was still signed with Kill the DJ. And um, yeah, so that kept me ticking on for a while. And, you know, it's like some of the featurings that I've done, like, well, the, the Gasapelstein stuff. Um, and also I did this track with Maceo Plex, which came out on yeah, that's a, Yeah, that's a big one. Which I'm still, you know, which I'm still getting money from. And it's oh, like, cool. you know, just, and even like, little things like that like i've just been really lucky with you know same with like roman Siegel, you know i still get but like maceoplex like, like take that one like he gets that all the time he does that like you know he puts out like 10 of those a year and they all sound respect to him i fucking love him like he's amazing as a, as a person i love I, I know him and like all of his different yeah. labels and sounds yeah. i fucking love him but his vocals are generally trash and they all sound the same and they're all just like the you know the city fox like soundtrack and it's fucking garbage and yours is transcendent it's fucking awesome and like inject you into the maceoplex formula and all of a sudden this is the best version of it that, that that's why what i love about you is like maceoplex had this this time like 2012 maybe where like all his tracks had this really really cool like innovative evolutionary sound and then he settled in and then he got big and he settled into this thing where a lot of the vocals became derivative and then yours was like really fucking cool and that's you thank you thank you but i mean i'm also really thankful for mesoplex for giving me that you know because it's like yeah all love and respect to him for that and it's and he still plays it like you know it's like it's mental the amount of times like i'll be like even like right before clubs shot at the start of the year, I'd still get like a random like, you know, Instagram tag where yeah. it would be some footage of him playing that track. 
And it's like every time, like I just like when I see my, my statements coming through, it's just provided this like longevity to it where it's like, you know, that and lots of other little bits and bobs, but like I've managed to survive doing doing what I love doing, you know, and that's like, I don't take that for granted for one second. And I know that, you know, I've been at this a long time. And um, even though I never, you know, I, I started putting out records after record sales had gone down. I'm not of that generation that like <laughs> ever made money putting out records, but I still appreciate that. Like for me, I think it's a lot more difficult starting out now, you know, and I think that there's, there's so much music now, you know, it's like, um, I, I, I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to be 18 today and be like trying to, I don't know. And there's still like, uh, the trappings of the industry are still there. Sure. And it's, yeah. I've yeah. talked a lot about sort of horizontal business models, creative models for artists, as well as patronage models. And I, you know, I, seeing those as, as the two lanes, and, and you've talked a little bit about the horizontal already in that you, know, you diversify what you're doing and you have different streams of income, different forms of creativity, different outlets to make yeah. things. And I think that everyone really has to do that. And that's not saying that everyone needs to start a t-shirt company or whatever. And like, it's just figuring out you know, how you speak and express yourself and, and finding the value of collaborations. Completely, completely. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the patronage when you speak of that 18 year old artist, you know, the patronage <laughs> model of like, you know, people here's, you know, five ninety nine a month to make like, like, I want this person to continue to be productive, to be prolific and me streaming their record on Spotify continuously is not going to achieve that. So, you know, how, how do you see that fitting in and growing? I, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, yeah, I guess the patron is, but then it's like, where, where do you, like another thing, it's just this, there's so many people doing a, you know, the, the technology has changed. So it's a lot, which I've totally benefited from, you know, it's a lot easier to, to, to make music and it's a lot more accessible and in that sense. It's a lot more, you know, democratic and it's kind of mm -hmm. like, but in there's even with platforms like Bandcamp and stuff, sometimes I just get a little bit overwhelmed, you know, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm a big, you know, I'm, I'm, even with the patronage, it would be like, where, you know, where do you, how many artists can you afford to give five ninety nine a month to, exactly, you know, yeah. like, and, and it would, are, are you just going to fall into the same pitfalls of ultimately how you get out there or how you, how people get to know you is the same trappings, you know, and it's kind of like, it's either luck, you either tap into something and are going to get, you know, hyped, um, or it's money, it's capital, you know, you have the money to be able to, to promote yourself in a certain way. And it's kind of, I And then you know. get back into the same capitalist I, model of record labels yeah, exactly. and, and publishers I think and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I sort of see it, you know, maybe, I mean, uh, you know, 
I don't know. It's not something that I've particularly. I think I've just more kind of come come around to the idea of like you know it's like yeah I don't I don't um, I feel I feel quite I don't know if I'd prefer to say alienated but um, kind of indifferent towards towards the industry and. Um, and I don't spend a lot of time thinking about how it could change because I don't really see myself. Maybe that's really selfish of me. I should be thinking. Not at all. It. No, not at all. What do you mean? Who cares? You're, you're, you're making the industry serves you. So, so the, the, the creator, you know, the person making stuff and the person receiving stuff, that, those are the important people, the, the creator and the consumer, everything in between is just in between unnecessary unless it deem you know unless it makes itself necessary so i completely like there is no reason why you should put any focus everything that is focused on the industry is a distraction and mm -hmm. you know we might give itself we might pride it with more importance but that's just conditional and the condition sucks like you just the best case scenario is you just make stuff and I get to listen yeah, but then to it. it. You know, the, 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 the cruel practicality of it, you know, being it, like, okay. Yeah, exactly. You know, you do need to. But it's cruel. It's not. Around. Yeah, we all need to pay our rent. Yeah. You know, whereas, you know, there's the whole also, you know, being pulling pints or whatever, like working bar jobs, working in restaurants, doing all of the things that, and just being able to, like, as long as you have enough time to, to do your music and to keep trying mm -hmm. and, but um, yeah, alternative, alternate models of revenue shares and everything. I, I, I think, yeah, it's still kind of, you're, you're still, and I, I, I don't know much about it, but it does feel like it's, you're, you're in, inevitably gonna fall into the same trappings as, as we always have. Do you work yeah. with management? Have you in the past? No. I've never had a manager. Never. Wow. Booking agent? I've got booking agent, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've got booking agent. I've had the same booking agent um, as Alberto at Orchid. And I've okay. worked with him for years. Fiercely loyal to him. <laughs> so you just do all your own record deals through relationships and then, you know, you figure out the legal on the, on the fly. Yeah. Have you ever considered management? Or is it, it just falls into like everything you've been saying with the indifference? Well, you know what? No, no, no. There have been times where, like, to to be honest, like, if somebody was to come up and say, like, oh, I, you know, show interest to me, I'm quite. I, I've always, I just want to do good things with good people. Great. So I yeah. think that's like you know, it's like, um. But if if a really decent person that. I respected and trusted and, you know, was on the same page as me was like, can I manage you? I don't, I wouldn't refuse. But <laughs> I, you know, there's a lot of times where like, you know, I do really wish I had a manager, especially when it comes to like having to say no, <laughs> like, you know, certain <laughs> or some, yeah. Um, and it was, you know, it's like, well, I, I say that, like, that I've never, when I was signed with Kill the DJ, um, the label manager, they, they did, you know, they, they were really, um, they did take on like a managerial role as well. Like they were kind of 
creating, putting me in, you know, placing me in fashion stuff and getting the extra work. And it was through them that I did the, the universal deal, which I was so reluctant to, to sign, but. Oh yeah. It gave me some money for a few years and then they dropped me. <laughs> what, what was your reluctance hmm? in a deal like that? Pardon me? Sorry, my mic slipped out, I guess. Um, what was your, what was your reluctance? for that deal and, and how did it end up working out? Don't say anything. <laughs> well, it ended up working out exactly what how I thought it would. I was like, I don't, I don't know what trust majors. I don't want to work with major majors. I was like, you know, and there's the argument, it's like, well, just take their money, which is what I ended up doing. But all of the things that they promised me, you know, it's like they go in and it's, you know, it's just that they're, they're, they're gambling on the fact that, you know, at the time it was I had been doing lots of stuff in music or fashion and it was like um you know I was I was I had a certain level of success in France that um but yeah it was just I just didn't trust them at all and I was like and when I did you know I took my advance I actually paid back the first advance um and then um, when Pint came out, um, I got another advance, which was great. You know, it's like, yeah, I was able to survive off of it for, you know, a year, which is amazing. Um, so in that sense, but then it's like, you know, then you get with, with this last album, I sent it to them ages ago and then they just didn't reply for ages and sort of in limbo because you don't know what's going on. And it's like, you know, and then eventually, eventually they I, 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 I was you know it's just the same pitfalls it's what you know yeah it's like, unless you're it's I mean it's wild the way that like industry people work uh it, it's just I'm I, I like I was very industry for my whole life I grew up in the industry and and you know ran a record label worked at Apple Music like festivals like booked shows every night for years um was very very industry and then i removed myself around 20 you know maybe toward the end of 2017 uh and you know just to make stuff and that stuff is now so i like wouldn't allow i wouldn't talk to anyone i wouldn't um like i talk to people as a person but i wouldn't like share what i'm working on um like i never stopped working i just stopped communicating it and mm -hmm that went through many iterations in these last few years. So I, uh, now I'm at the end of that and I'm ready and the work is done. So I'm sharing it for the first time over the last few months. And it's just like, Oh, it's wild. The different, you know, sometimes I'll shout, you know, so my film is finished and, uh, it's going to be at festivals and stuff coming up. And, and now I'm working on preparing the next one, packaging it and stuff. And like, I am venturing into those conversations about like, like I don't want to work with agents and stuff like that. But like, if I do, it makes things a lot easier. You know, it's like if I can get one person at this giant company on board, like I'm, I'm really rolling and I could do it myself and speak to the artists directly and stuff. But like, if I get this person on board, like, you know, any number of people, like it just, it greases the wheels. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, 
dipping my feet in those waters. And it is wild, the distinction between the conversations with those people and, you know, the artist types who they qualify the, you know, it just, the communication is so different where like, you know, you talk to the agent and they're just like gung ho. Yeah, man. Oh, awesome. Great. Can't wait to watch, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, you never hear, you never get anything. You have to keep following up. It's humiliating. And it's like, you end up getting these questions. Like they end up comparing you to people, you know, you get, you get a response and they're like, they're like, I loved the Lynchian vibes. Like, that's what I got from this like producer. And that was basically the extent of the response. I'm like, you watch the whole film and like, all you're really doing is saying that I nailed doing someone else. Like, great. Thanks so much. Like, I'm going to go fucking kill myself now. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last thing I wanted to do. But yeah. Yes, I mean, I, so think, I think that cinema is very different from music and the fact that, you know, it's like you're dealing with... Oh, no, so, yeah, same, same, in, same in music. You get the same kind of shit. Like, it's... Well, yeah, you know, you get the same type of people, but I think that, you know, it's easier to, um, to circumnavigate that. Like, you know, it's like, do I really need... What, what, what is the publishing, aside from the advance, what is the publishing deal going to give me? Universal aren't, weren't actively trying to pitch my music. They just bought yeah. my music on the off chance that you know music. so it's like in that respect it's like yeah it was great to get an advance but they're not going to do what but i think that in cinema it's it is a kind of different like you know if, if someone is going to invest in it oh yeah financially it's a different ball game yes yeah. Like if this um, agent were to come on board and package the film or be, you know, be the sales agent or something like there's a tangible like difference. Like if I, if I get a sales agent attached, I literally have a minimum budget to work with one. Like I have $500,000 and I can go make the film because I have that yeah. from the sales. Agent. With music, it's like you get your like hundred K that lasts four years or something like that from a mm. publishing advance. And it's like, you know, and they do nothing. <laughs> I never got anyone here hundred K Yeah. That's like that's like a good publishing deal. It's like you get a hundred K and they have you for four years or something like that. Those are like when you, when they really want you. But it's still yeah. a terrible deal, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I mean it's just like, you know, yeah, um... But it's a vertical that like you weren't reaping benefits of anyway so it's like might as well no, take exactly. an advance and it funds other things yeah exactly but now it's like you know it's like why what is wrong with being self-published you know it's like i sure i get a bigger share of the pie and it's like yeah i mean i'm i'm quite happy to i'm, I'm in no hurry to to sign another publishing deal not yeah. that i've got you know it's really the just door, the but... advance yeah it's it's that, that's the only difference if you need capital up front you take their capital but mm -hmm. if you don't it does not have any real benefit people i think that younger people that 18 year old you refer to they get wrapped into this uh, archetype mm -hmm. of what it you know what it takes to be an artist and the mm -hmm. making the prototype of, of of an industry person and it's like oh i got to get a record deal i got to get a publishing deal i got to get a manager i got to get an agent i got to get a business manager i got to get all these things and they don't really understand they don't get to break down why those you know how those things will elevate their career what elevating their career means mm -hmm. and you know often it's just it can go into dollars and cents and realizing okay cool like i can get 100k but like 
I don't, the money that I get today is not amplifying what I'm making and I just need to pay my rent. And if I don't take that money today, I'm going to make a lot more money later and have full freedom and, you know. That's the thing. I mean, I think it's very difficult to kind of, area. you can't really say that to an 18 year old either. It's like, it's these. They want that cosign also. They want universal. Yeah, of course. But it's like on the, I'm able to say this with the benefit of hindsight and being able to come to terms with, you know, the way my career has unfolded. And now I'm like, oh, wow, actually, I'm really happy that things are the way they are. Um, You've made a bunch of amazing albums. Thank you. Yeah. And you'll make more. Like I say, it was like I last year I I really struggled um, creatively. I was uh, had a had a massive creative drought, and at the the start of this year I had to work really hard to get myself back into it. Like sort of like pull up the bootstraps, get all of these kind of disciplined. Yeah, I was forcing myself to write every day and just kind of like. And I managed to get back into it, and now it's touch wood. Things are back hmm. on track. But um, but yeah, sometimes it does feel like you know when you're when you're well personally, it's like um, such a precious, fragile thing <laughs> to roll. You know, it's it like, can get quite like superstitious and be really scared that you know it's gonna disappear again. Sure. And say, like, I'll listen back to songs that I've written and I'm like, oh my God, how did I do that? How did that come out? I'm never ever going to write anything that good ever again. No. And then you do. Well, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> how is, like, penned on all these things? You know, this is like such a broad thread. Pandemic, quarantine, all of that. Like, how has that felt to you? How has it changed you? How has it made you see the future? Personally, life in my little bubble's never been better. My life for me, (laughs) I've um, globally, I've never felt as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I I, I do have a tendency to, you know, um, take the weight of the world on my shoulders and, and get quite affected by what's going on around me and um and I can't say I'm super helpful right now like even you know there there are signs you know it's like when you look at like BLM and all of that like you know on the one hand it seems like there is a push for change but I'm not quite buying it yet like I think I think that we're skirting there was a lot of enthusiasm for a week or two and it has like, you know, like all this, you know, yeah, like like all of these things, and I and I think that goes to kind of like the the generation that I'm from, where I do struggle with um with like social media activism and this kind of like jumping on one yeah. trend and then moving on to the next, and this like tokenification of 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 issues where it's you know I, I'm just like. It seems to we're circumnavigating the real issue, which is the problem with um, capitalism and the, and the problem with how yeah. as as it's an inequality problem. It's not race. It's not you know. That's what I think exactly. people get really exactly. Yeah. 
I mean, that's a really uncomfortable truth because it's also like, what's the alternative right now? You know, it's like I, there, there isn't a, despite, you know, academic, it, it, it's not for lack of like discussing, but it just seems like capitalism is this, um, this almighty um, malleable beast that's just so adaptive and that's so strong. You know, at the start of the year, I was, I was reading, um, um, a book about surveillance capitalism. <laughs> it's like it's just okay. really kind of what, ingrained. What book? If anyone's listening, who? Um, the Age of Surveillance Capitalism. Okay. By um, uh, Shoshana. Um, is it, is it Zuboff? Shosh yeah, Shoshana Zuboff. She's like a. Um, it's. I mean, it's it's a heavy book, <laughs> but it's definitely like. It's knowledge I'm glad I have. Because it, you know, it's talking about how we the shift in capitalism away from industrialist capitalism of the 20th century, how we're now in this new realm of her. What she's called it is surveillance capitalism, but it kind of goes into this model of how you know companies like Google and Amazon, and you know how it's our data and our um, our behaviors, which are now the commodity that's being sold. You know, it's no longer a um, a financial system based around. Um, goods necessarily it's all based around consumerism and, and about our behavior as consumers and that's the commodity that companies are making money off of essentially i mean it's a lot more complicated than that but anyway yeah. but it just feels like I, I just i just like i'm i just can't see a way out right now i just can't and and it and you know when you the, the rise of populism that's going on around the world. Like, I just can't, I do try hard to kind of like not get bogged down by it all, but like, yeah, there's some days where I'm just like, <laughs> like, where do we go from here? And, you know, I think part of the reason last year that I had such a bad year is it's like, I just went into escapist mode. Like, I'm like, you know what? I ain't into this form of reality. I'm going to find my ways of, spending as much time as I can in alternate realities where, you know, um, exploring, yeah, exploring different realms, we'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> no, and it, but it's know, not alternate. It, it's yours. It's your universe. Yeah, I know. But there is, but there is a form of, you know, I'm like, it's not theirs. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, but I'm like, you know, I, I do have my, you know, my, I can a tendency to be a bit of a psychonaut and whatever, and, and it's kind of like, but at the end of the day, that's a great word. <laughs> at the end of the day, you do, you do come back to this, like, you know, there's sixty percent of kids in London are living below the poverty line, and. And it was like a reality that so many people are suffering. And I don't know, I, I, yeah, I can bring it down. So in that sense, <laughs> how, and then, and then think of the start of COVID, like a lot of people, I was like, wow, you know, maybe, maybe this can be an opportunity to, to reevaluate and to, um, to, to, to kind of more people are gonna awaken to, to, to or you know, be be able to see things differently, and I think maybe you know when when the prospect of lockdown lifting, and also you know it's like 
my whatever optimism I had or hope that I had <laughs> disappeared pretty quickly. And it's like, we still have Boris Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys still are of your Donald Trump, you yeah. know, if anything, Brexit is happening. Yeah. Um, people just want to go back out and queue up for, for Primark. And, you know, they're, they're, they're really happy to kind of live in this, I don't know, for me, in my point of view, this like completely disillusioned, um, well, just, you know, it's just like, uh, yeah. Well, with America, there's been this crazy phenomenon over the last few weeks. It started when uh, the protests hit, where I, uh, so many people, so I, I've been, you know, we talked about, I've been in Mexico, totally isolated in this beautiful place, and I'm, you and I are probably similar in our sense of solitude is not loneliness is not, you know, some desperate, it's not like I'm not going crazy in this beautiful place. I'm really happy and really productive. So I've, I've felt this disconnect and this guilt, but I talk to a lot of my friends and they are not in a good place. They're especially like those in studio apartments in New York city and stuff like that, who are just looking at four walls all day and they weren't good before that, you know, they were dealing with their own personal demons before that. So then to be stuck in a room with their personal demons has been really difficult. And what's happened is, you know, the protests occurred and that became a release for a lot of people. Uh, it, it's, it's like taboo to say this. And, and uh, like some people have gotten mad at me when I've said this, like on my Instagram and stuff. But for a lot of white people, the protests were a thing to do that got them out of the house and, and where it was a release of energy and a reception of energy. They just, and, and, and this is not me. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, this is not my psychoanalysis. This is me talking to people and asking and, and them telling me that, yeah, like they're not activists. They would never be marching in another circumstance, but they had been in their house for three months and this felt really good to connect with people and feel like they're, you know, gave them meaning and energy. And what's happened since then is effectively everyone's like, okay, cool. This COVID-19 shit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care about it anymore. And (laughs) there's a lot of people I know who are still in quarantine. Like I'm in quarantine in the middle of, you know, on, on the outskirts of Mexico in a very, very safe, secure place where there are no cases in the region. And I don't talk to people that I don't know. Like if I don't know you've been here since March, like I don't, I won't go near you. If I'm on the beach, like I go, I walk around you. Um, so I'm super conservative about it. And then there's people in New York City who are just like done with it, but they're not done with it because they think that you know there's a lot of narratives where people will say, um, oh yeah, you're young, you're healthy, you're fine, like, and they just ignore the fact that like 23 year olds, like athletes die in four days like it, it it's happened and people are left with like lung disorders for the rest of their lives um but the american thing and this is not happening elsewhere in the world i don't think feel free to you know tell me if you disagree but like i don't sense it from anywhere else they're just tired of it they're just like yeah we did that quarantine thing for a while like we're ready to get back to normal and they're not saying like we think it's safe they don't even like they just are, they're just shutting their eyes and they're just like, yeah, I'm tired of it. We quarantined for long enough and that's it. And it's this insecurity. It's this, 
lack of self-awareness, lack of, lack of civic responsibility, community involvement. I think of Japan, where in Japan there's no public garbages because people just dispose of their waste on their own. They figure it out and they know that the value of, to their city to not have to deal with that is tremendous and, is, and it adds to the quality of life of everyone, the individual and the community. And Americans just don't, North America, you know, U.S., don't think like that. Canadians do, Mexicans do. So I always like to, you know, the United States of America. Um, and it's just so weird talking to people and, and people asking me what parties are happening and stuff like that. And I'm just like, don't go to a fucking party. Like, like wait a few months. Like, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, in England, I would say it's quite similar to, to what you're describing in the States. And, you know, I think that that comes from, you know, it's like we're, we live in very libertarian societies and the whole again going back to like you know but our whole modes of capitalism are, are built around these these principles yeah we're getting like, the media encouraging what yeah. i'm talking about here. they're they're, they're yeah. fearing us into oh. yeah and it's kind of that that but the state well yeah but also like you know historically the states it's you know it's you're it's a culture that's based around the individual and the the rights of the individual yeah right from the get-go and here it's maybe a more recent phenomena but i think that you know the um the past 40 years since thatcher it's been moving towards a much more kind of american really way um yeah no i definitely think that you know there's i see around me people are just tired of it you know so you, are you seeing similar things to what I was saying? Yeah, I mean, maybe not okay. quite as extreme. I think that, you know, it's like in, the, and, um, you know, the geography of, or like the the architecture and geography of London is, is really different to, to Manhattan. So it's kind of, you know, it's like, even if you're living in a flat here, you're probably, it's probably going to be in a Victorian terrace. And we've, our lockdown was never, we were always allowed to go outside, even when it was like full lockdown. Mm-hmm. You were allowed to like exercise outside, and um, you know where I live in London, it's like one of the greenest boroughs. We've got we've got loads of parks, and it's like really fortunate. So I think that the way people have experienced lockdown here has been different from what it would be in New York. But yeah, there's definitely a but I mean, I was to say it's perpetrated as well by the fact that our government is just so keen to get the economy back up and running as quickly as possible that they've they've been sending they've completely shifted responsibility off of the government and onto the individual and they've orchestrated it in such a way that it's kind of like people have been getting mixed messages and yeah yeah anyway and i imagine it's quite a similar Yeah, it's going back and forth. I mean, we need to get sports going. You know, sports are so important. We need to have baseball and basketball and all these things. And then, like, the sports are, I don't know, you probably don't follow this, but I know soccer is being played in Europe, and it's, like, seemingly been fine so far. Like, they do their 22-minute breaks and stuff, which, like, is actually really funny because they're not in shape. But in America, like, the NBA is, is restarting, and baseball has been attempting to restart, and it is a disaster, like it's it's like no one there'll be like a tweet here and there will where one of the writers will acknowledge it but generally everyone's like trying to keep it moving but like no one is saying like oh 
every like all the cases are going up around all these things like there's just every time they start to do something there's a huge setback and it's just like maybe take a hint you know like, like we're we're arguing over baseball and it's like maybe they can't play baseball this year like yeah. I, I will be so sad if that happens because I love baseball but like yo whatever like if one baseball yeah. player dies or one of the staff like that's horrible yeah I mean I think you know this I don't know how it is in the states but definitely here like you know it's a huge disproportionate amount of um black and ethnic minority peoples are, are, are like, fallen victim to COVID. And again, it's like, who, who are the people who are most at risk? It's your frontline workers. It's the people yeah. who are low income, who've been working in the supermarkets, who've been doing our delivery driving, you know, who've been, well, and also like your nurses and your like, So you the know, same people pushing us to reopen the economy are the people who care about the people who like, need to open the economy the like most, cool. I mean, the least. Yeah, but then but then you have this whole class of, you know, the, the middle class people who are like able to work from home and who yeah. like were getting this furlough support and, you know, through, through their employees. And, you know, it's just this and 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 those people, you know, they might have lost, um, you know, elderly members of their family, but it's just like it, it's it's affected a disproportionate amount of. And, and I'm. And until it, I don't know. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. It just like, yeah. Uh, uh, what we we live in a selfish, individualistic. <laughs> Shifting slightly. I hope so. I hope so. Around around the ideas that you're talking about, and 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 not not just speaking about COVID and quarantine, but I like to you know think about like mental diet and and you know lifestyle and stuff and and the way that you you referred to a lot of your kind of places that you want to get to as as a as a creative so what do you what's your life like like what do you read what do you feed yourself what do you you know physically like thought wise I, I don't know is you know meditation exercise reading activities like what goes into your making of what you make um I think a lot I don't read as much as I should or as much as I've never been I'm, I'm trying to read more but I've never been as big a reader as I wish I was I, I think um, that I just just sorry not to like uh, <laughs> deter you but like people talk like that all the time like you make beautiful art you're reading exactly what you know if you want to read more read more great please like do whatever you've got to do but like if you feel that you need more information or you need more of the chemical process that happens when you're reading someone's words like do it great but like i just think that this insecurity around like people who like i don't listen to enough music or i don't read enough books or i'm not cultured enough whatever like it's all about what you do. And so I'm talking to someone who I know makes beautiful art and has a beautiful sensibility around it and a beautiful process of, of practically. So you're reading exactly as much as I think you should be reading <laughs> in my part, in my humble opinion. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I've, I'm a, I, I run. That's my form of that. That's, I would say that is the most important 
thing to my mental health. I'm a runner, so I run about cool. between 15 and 18 kilometers a day. And, um, and I do it very much, you know, at my own pace. It's more like a meditative thing. Um, and again, like I'm so lucky where I live in London. Like we've got, I've got this incredible, these, these um, marsh, marshlands that aren't very far from the house. So I can get out onto the marsh and it's for, you know, the city, the size of London, the, the, the green spaces we have here, it's phenomenal. And a lot of like, so a lot of what, I'd say a lot of my process probably happens while I'm out running. You know, it's like, it's, it's a time where I'm. Do you scribble ideas down while you write or do you just let them come back to you when you're done? Occasionally, if I get a really good idea, I've always got my phone on me just in case. Um, But yeah, no, a lot of the time it's more like I go into this, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's all about my breathing and my kind of, you know, it is a sort of meditation. Um, and then, so that's how I start my day. And then I, I'll come home and, um, come up to the studio. I, it depends. There's, it's, at the moment I've got kind of a, quite a, uh, a routine going where I'm, you know, I'm going for my run and then I'm coming up into the studio and I'm, 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 I'm working on, um, music I'm, I'm also doing like writing for this canadian like arts magazine thing which is oh cool uh, really, can really you say good. what it is do you want do you want to say what it is no it's like okay it's just, <laughs> um it's just like little you know but it's it's that's been great because it's kind of like a it's like a good little revenue stream but it's it's in uh using similar parts of my mind so i do that and I've also been doing a lot of like guest vocals for people, which is, I love as well. Um, and yeah, just like, yeah, spend the day doing lots of different things in the studio, around the studio. Um, I'm not, if I'm, if I'm like struggling to come up with an idea, We'll go back outside and give it a little walk. And, um, but yeah, like, well, because of like, you know, the, the, the situation, like I haven't, you know, I haven't been socializing. I haven't been, um, you know, I've, we've got, I've, I live with a couple of people. Um, your pod. And then in the evening. Hmm? You have your pod of, of, of people. Yeah. 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 Evenings of watch films um, what have you been watching do more writing um what did i watch last night um last night i watched a uh john confra film um the last angel of history Ooh. gotta write that down yeah it's um it's a Jonah Confra is a uh British sort of I guess documentary um filmmaker who's sort of does like installations and galleries and stuff. Anyway, that that one um is about uh sort of Afrofuturism and um cool. Detroit. It's good. It's up on YouTube. I've been watching 
I've been trying to watch more like female directors. Been working my way through the Agnes Valda. Oh, uh, good. Film. And do you have Criterion? Huh? You have Criterion no. collection? No. They're all I should on do. There. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, Claire Denis, another one. Been watching quite a lot of Claire Denis. Um, I've got BFI subscription, so I use. Oh yeah, so. The yeah also have a movie subscription i haven't been watching as much movie as i was before it depends yeah but yeah that sort of thing i'm a bit i'm not like i, I don't i um I, I i don't get into series i watch films and documentaries and they have a tendency to be more um <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't watch much like escapism stuff I watch yeah. good I don't watch the escapism stuff either but I do like I do like to um yeah yeah watch things that are going to trigger ideas and enrich yeah. mind and On then that. I also your, your room talk talk to me about your room I we, this is like where we started but like yeah. in a granular sense like What's around your room? Why is it there? And what does it do to you when you look at it? Um, well, I'll show you. So on this side, there's a series of posters that go back to uh, the, the radio show that I do with my friend Christina. Um, on NTS. Yeah, on NTS. Yeah, we we'd kind of started with, uh, when we first started doing things, we did some parties and we were doing a little fanzine and cool. those, what did I get from you? I don't know. But this is my Christina wall. She's done a lot <laughs> of the stuff on that one. She's like, yeah, cool. I guess when I look at that wall, I think about Christina and um, the sorts of ideas and influences that she has in my life and sort of also, you know, she's, she's, she's probably my, my best friend and a lot of what I do do you think about what your friends are going to think of it too i guess i've never actually thought about this why do i ever think of them all this is my yeah. this would be my this is like my nostalgia wall okay my bits from um from british columbia from canada where i'm from i've got some postcards up there i've got uh uh Mauricio catalan um bit that kind of reminds me of um uh, my best, my, my, I lost my best friend just at the end of Batan. That's how Batan ended. He died. So that there's little bits of there that kind of remind me about Joel. And down at the end, there's like some old photos of my dad. So yeah, this is the nostalgia wall. I've never yeah. actually thought about it like this, but then I totally oh, I don't think have... this is an, a, be a beautiful way to learn someone, you know? So, so... Yeah. Over here on this wall is just my random bit of like art and comments. Um, What's the mask? Oh, the mask up there? That's yeah. just like a, a stupid, like part of an old Halloween costume that I did. Okay. Really I don't even know what's there. It's not, it's not What's the Stefano there. jacket? Oh, the Stefano jacket. Um, so cool. It's a really dodgy painting of, of Castro. But that, um, <laughs> I spent time with when I was when I was a kid, 
Um, and the, the people that I was living with in New York, they gave that to me when I was like 12. That's when cool. it was, yeah. And then on this side, we've got my synths. And up there, love you've got my, the airplanes. I, I love airplanes. Cool. Um, and then there's like some, there were more photographs that I'd taken from my travels over on that wall. But yeah, it's an event of stuff. So. I, I love thinking about people that way, you know, because this is like what you were looking at while you were recording that vocal, while you were feeling the thing that, you know, when you wrote that idea, like this is what this is what you're surrounded by. And this is so yeah. part of, of those ideas. Yeah. Like, I love to leave books around. They're, they're like Umberto Eco used to talk about it. Like he could never read all the books in his library, but he loved to have them around because they just yeah. create ideas. They bring you places. I mean, the rest of our house is full of books and of, you know, I think my studio is probably the most, yeah, haphazardly arranged the rest of the house as well. I mean, there's piles of books, but it's like, you know, there's, we don't have bits of gaffer tape just randomly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, a lot of my walls in my LA place had gaffer tape on it. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really want like whatever my next home is. I hope I have like my home in New York that I'm getting rid of is this like more architectural, like it's like you wouldn't want to mess with the walls, but the next place I get, I, I do want to have like my super minimalist spaces, mm -hmm. but I also do want another room like that, that I had in LA where I just covered, cause I lived in like a cookie cutter kind of, I, I, I moved to LA and like was staying in a guest room. And then my friends like whose guest room I was in, like sold their company for a shitload of money. And we're just like, mm -hmm. yeah, we're buying a big house. Just like take the two bedroom apartment. But it was like, so it was awesome, but it was like a cookie cutter place. So I, decorated it with like my ideas and I loved it so much but I just like I don't seek out cookie cutters like you know you see where I am like right now I love being in these kinds of like evocative spaces that are more traditional and of something um mm -hmm. but whatever I do next I think will be like super minimalist and I want like most of the space to be empty but then like I would love to have like a tea room or like a live room or something where I just plaster I just have like full of ideas that's that's why i have this like vision of, of opening a tea house where like one room is super minimalist like japanese aesthetic and another room is like the sg room where it's just like ideas everywhere just images and things everywhere and it's not like in a messy way it's just like that's the wallpaper basically so you look anywhere and you just get ideas yeah yeah no it's good those spaces for sure i mean i it's like um i think a lot of my ideas are um, in the form of writing as well and I've got like piles of of filled notebooks that I've you know, and, and that's also a big thing like if I'm struggling to like that thing I did um, for Third Son that was actually for the, most of it was well not most of it but that stemmed from something that I'd started years ago, or like some, an idea cool. that I jotted down years ago. So I did go through my old. That's a great way to collaborate, though, to sort of repurpose ideas that now fit with this totally, other person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I, um, yeah, our whole our whole house is filled with. Yeah. All right, so. 
Oh, oh, oh yeah, cool. No, I would love to. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no tell me. Whoa. Oh my God. For anyone listening on just the audio, there's just a stairwell that is just stacks of books with, I mean, it's all like everywhere. It's a wall yeah. of books. More books. Love it. More books. And then lots of art. Cool. Darren Cullen makes stuff dead. Yeah. Anyway, we've got lots of, and it's a whole. I love it. It's just ideas, ideas, ideas. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I want to let you go. This has been awesome for me. You're like a hero of mine. So this is this has been such a pleasure. And I thought a good place to end would be to ask you about someone who I know is really meaningful to you and maybe share your feelings, a story, whatever. But we lost him this year, Andrew Weatherall. I mean, that's still quite raw, to be honest. Um, Andrew was a huge, 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 huge important figure in my life. And I think, you know, I'm so fortunate to have known him and to have, you know, um, had somebody like that right at the start of my career to really encourage me. And, you know, I, I shared a studio with Andrew down on Scotton Street and my entire musical formation was you know he was just a really important figure wow. um and you know maybe in the past few years i, I wasn't i kind of moved uh, i wasn't as into the whole kind of like alpha um stuff of late but he was still an incredibly you know and also somebody's he championed what I did and that's just such an affirming thing to have somebody as important as Andrew um but yeah when he I mean it was a huge shock to everybody when he, when he died um and there's a very big hole that's you know you know it's I, I'm still kind of it's like I think also just because of you know it was just Andrew's funeral was the last thing I went to before lockdown okay when it was already like such a strange day um and I didn't have my phone on and it was coming out of the funeral um, oh wow yeah. I didn't realize it was that imminent huh yeah no and then suddenly I was like I turned my phone on and like there was like this email from NTS being like we're shutting the studio. Christina had sent me loads of messages because like she'd been sent home from work and she'd be working from home. Uh, Ransom note my record label. Like they were like yeah we're shutting up the offices. Everyone's going to be working from home. And I was just like what? Like what's happened? <laughs> like and I think that um, in a strange way it's like I don't know. I'm still kind of in disbelief that he's not around. You know. But then, like, yeah, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a... Totally understandable. He was an incredible, incredible, incredible man. Um, and a hugely important figure, cultural figure. And I just feel so blessed that I knew him 
I love that. And we've benefited from his, from his soul coming through your, your work today. And I definitely, I see his, his work and yours profoundly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huge influence, like huge, huge, huge. And it's, I think, yeah. Anyway. I'm so sorry for the loss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think we're everybody. It was a collective loss. It was a collective loss, you know, very much so. But, um, yeah, I'm still kind of on, on that stage where I'm still. The flat mate was listening to one of his archive shows on his yeah. I, I, I can't hear his voice. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'll get there, but it's. Again, it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's bad, it's dark, it's tragic, but there's so much beauty, especially with someone like him, because the resonance of, of his work and his life on so many people. I mean, I've never seen the community come out for someone like that. There's been like, you know, giants who, who we lose, but the stories about him were, I mean, countless, and they were all so personal. I had never seen like everyone going on their Instagram and writing these extremely personal narratives about this man and how they were touched by him from the one time they met him or like you, where like you really, really, really had a huge arc of your life and intimately involved with him. But it's all, I think it was more like, you know, some Andrew was a, and an important part of so many different aspects of my London life, you know, it was kind of, it felt like, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. He's just an incredibly generous soul and a true soul, you know, he's just an honest, good, creative genius who lived true to what he believed in, who champions the underdog hmm. i think our next chapter we need that uh, yeah totally. collectively yeah. the world yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah i mean if we could all move more in that direction yeah if you're listening you know go listen to some andrew music there's a lot of it he was he was essential mix like number two or three something like that like the beginning of it mm. and that's a cool one to listen to i listened to so many of his mixes this year it was one of the first things we would do like in lockdown we um we cleared out the attic and i found this like all of the cds like mixed cds that you see like haywire parties kind of short it's that's cool. when i met andrew like at the kind of two lens towards one day and um i don't know what cd player <laughs> but i was like <laughs> i'm kind of like yeah i'm dying to delve back into it like, i didn't even realize it was yeah you're right because i was listening i can remember now listening here it was right at the same time i didn't even i didn't even think i thought it was earlier but no it was like yeah. right before so i was listening right. to that essential mix here Wow. Yeah, it was right before. Wow. Anyway. 
anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, thank it's you so really much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you. I'm hang out your stay and hang out in paradise. Yeah. I mean, I think this will be my last month. Um, I mean, hopefully. I I do this month here and then I head to to Venice. Hopefully the festival happens. Hopefully there's no setbacks and I'm either there as a fan or or showing. I I don't know yet, but uh we'll see. Fingers crossed, touch wood. Um, but hopefully I get to go either way. And I'm just, I'm just so excited to be able to be, I love film festivals. I don't really love music festivals. I never really cared about music festivals in the same way, but uh, I love music. I love playing clubs. I love playing parties, but I never loved playing festivals, but film festivals is a whole nother story. That's my favorite thing in the world being around yeah. that energy. Yeah. That's like, it's, it's just like a museum with all the people who look at the things on the wall in the way that I, like in the way that I encourage them to and mm -hmm. being fed like the best, most nuanced art of the year. Like, like it's just film festivals are this, not all festivals, you know, no, it's all, many are, but the good ones. Um, there's an energy to them where you're just consuming good food. It, it, it's, 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 it's like a good food festival, you know, and you're just getting, it's the people who are hungriest. It's the people who understand the best and they know how to talk to each other and they know how to, how to read what they're being served. And it's so, it's such a beautiful environment. Mm -hmm. That's well, my favorite. Place. Yeah. Yeah. You I thought I was going to this year, but I don't know. Is that, it's, it's so maybe up in the air. Venice is supposed to happen. I mean, they literally put out an article this morning talking about it. Um, so yes, yeah, so it's September 2nd to 13th or something like that. And I would go early so that like in case anything happened, I was there with a lot of mm -hmm. lead time. Um, but yeah, I would spend August in, in Italy and be there for the festival. And then I'd come back mid-September to the U.S., which I'm not excited for, but <laughs> that would be my plan. <laughs> It should all go accordingly. Yeah. But yeah, but so I have, man, I have really, really enjoyed my time here. And I, yeah. I will be it so okay when it's, yeah, it really is. I'm going to go swimming, swimming now. And, uh, and yeah. I meditate on this terrace and it's great. I love it here. Yeah. Nice. But you have a good spot too. Yeah. I can't find. Yeah. Well, thank you again. It's a it's a pleasure connecting. Thank you to Joe for connecting us. Yeah, I can't wait to see what comes of your of your quarantine creativity. Yeah, and uh, keep me posted on your film. Absolutely, uh, my pleasure. Yeah. Okay, we'll stay in touch. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much. Enjoy the week. Same to you. Take care. Bye.